of overalls in her future, y'all. Come on now. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, heels and overalls. I don't know. We'll see what happens. <laughs> uh, amen. <laughs> you got your Bibles? Lift them up this morning. <laughs> Repeat after me. Say, "This is my Bible. Every word in it is true. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do." Today, I'll be taught God's Word. It's His truth transforming every part of my life. And I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys sound great this morning. Sound really good this morning. This is exciting for me today because uh, I work really hard on the messages uh, because it's very important to me, and I want you guys to understand this. To me, this is the culmination of my week. This time that we get to spend together Sunday morning, I really want it to be good for you. I really want it to be good. Because I know you're going to take today and it's going to have to get you through some time, right? And, and I know that during the week you're facing challenges and you've got different things going on. And I know that God has a word for you. And so we put a lot of time in the messages. Well, well, this week, you know, I worked Tuesday, got the message done. We, we got the notes out and everything was ready. And God totally changed it. <laughs> So Friday, I wrote a brand new message, but I've learned to be encouraged by that because what that means is there's somebody here today that God said, hey, Chris, I appreciate the work that you did, but there's some of my people here today who need this. And so I know that there are some of you guys right in here and within the sound of my voice and maybe even people that will listen to this later on that God loves you so much that he redirected what I'm going to say today because he wants to talk to you. He's got something specifically to say to you. And so I want you to really open your hearts and your minds this morning to what God would, would say to you. Amen? Dennis, are you in here? Nope, he stepped out. Stepped out. Joe, would you pray over the service this morning? Would you do that for me? Amen. Thank you, Joe. Matthew chapter 8, verse 23 through 27. Let's read it here. Then Jesus got into the boat, and he started across the lake with his disciples. Suddenly, everybody say suddenly. A fierce storm struck the lake with waves breaking into the boat, but Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went down, and they woke him up, and they were shouting, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. And Jesus responded, and he said, Why are you afraid? You have so little faith. Then he got up, and he rebuked the wind and the waves, and suddenly, everybody say suddenly, there was a great calm. The disciples were amazed. Who is this man, they asked. Even the winds and the waves obey him. That's the New Testament. It looks back in the Old Testament. Psalm chapter 46, verses 9 through 11 says this. He, God, causes wars to end throughout the, the earth. He breaks the bow, he snaps the spear, he burns the shield with fire. And it says this, Be still and know that I am God. I will be honored by every nation. I will be honored throughout the world. The Lord of heaven's armies is here among us. The God of Israel is our fortress. There's a great hymn of all of our forefathers, and I'm just going to read one stanza of it today, and I want, I want you to listen to this. It says this, Be still, my soul, 
The Lord is on your side. Bear patiently the cross of grief or pain. Leave to your God to order and provide. In every change, he faithful will remain. You know, I want to share with you this morning, as we look around, I don't know if you follow the news, read a newspaper, or have a pulse, you've probably noticed there's a lot going on in our world that can really scare you or make you nervous, isn't there? I mean, we've got Ebola in Dallas, and we've got, you know, different places around the world where there's diseases. We have terrorists running around in the Middle East and maybe in other places. We've got all these challenges. The economy's in rough shape. You know, we've got all these things going on in the world, and it's very easy to look around and allow fear to get in your heart. Now, that's just in the world. But if I were to sit down with you and talk to you for a few minutes and said, hey, tell me what's going on in your life, you may have a lot of storms going on in your life right where you are. You don't need to worry about terrorists over in the Middle East. you got terrorists right now in your backyard. And I'm not talking about your kids. Okay, that's not what I'm talking about. But you may have things going on in your life that, that are challenges for you. Some of you may be here today and you've got a, a, a report from the doctor and it's not good. Some of you may be struggling so deep in debt you don't know how to pay your electric bill. Some of you may be here today and your marriage is on the brink of divorce. Some of you are here today and you're struggling in your job or you can't find a job. Whatever is going on, there's a storm going on in your life. And you don't know what to do about it. And you feel like you're on your last leg. I want to say this to you today and I really want you to listen to me. When storms come... And they're going to come. Jesus said, in the world, you may have some problems occasionally. Did he say that? Jesus says, you will have tribulation. In the world, you will have tribulation. When storm comes, when storms come, when fear abounds, when lions roar, stop. I'm going to say that again. When storms come, when fear abounds, and when lions roar, Stop. Well, Pastor, what does that mean? What do you mean stop? I'm going to give you three very practical scriptural answers today to answer the questions that you may have about what's going on in your life and in the world right now. And I, and I want to say this before we go, and I, and I didn't mention this in first service, but I want to mention it in second as I think about it. You know, we've got an election coming up Tuesday, and I just want to say to you today, If you're registered to vote, then go vote. And I'm going to encourage you to vote biblical values. That's what you need to vote. You need to vote biblical values. But I want to say this also. If you're concerned about the status and the state of our country, stop griping and do something about it, which means get out and vote. I don't like it when people gripe, but they don't do anything. You know, that's not how we're supposed to be as Christians. And there's been this thing in history that says, well, there's the separation of church and state, and and we're just supposed to let them do their own thing. That's not why it's there. The reason there's a separation of church and state is that they don't tell us what to do. It's not that we don't tell them what to do. And God has given us the ability. This is a Christian nation, and I don't care what anybody says, it's still a Christian nation. But if the church doesn't stand up and lead with biblical values, it's going to go to hell in a Learjet. Okay? So... Vote, okay? Commercial over. All right, so what do you do when challenges come? What do you do when all this happens? You stop. Look at your notes. The first thing you do, number one, is you stop panicking. Stop panicking. 
Matthew 8, verse 25. The disciples went and woke Jesus up, and they were shouting, Lord, save us. We are going to drown. Now, understand the disciples, some of them were professional fishermen. This is what they did every day. Being out on boats was what they were used to. So, so this storm was so bad, it even had the fishermen nervous. I mean, these guys were even concerned, and they were panicking. And I want you to know, if you read that story, if you look and you, you realize this, the storm's going on and water's lapping inside the boat, where's Jesus at? He's sleeping. And you know what? Some of you right now are in a situation where your boat's about to sink, you're wondering what's going on, and you're looking around for Jesus, and you look around, and he's sleeping in the back of the boat. And you know what happens to us in some of those times? We're inclined to think that he doesn't care. That he's not listening. That he doesn't know what's going on. That, that somehow we need to inform him about all of our problems. And inform him on how to help solve all of our problems. And I want you to understand something today. Jesus is very, very aware of what's going on in your life. And notice how he responds. He says, where's your faith? And then he turns around to the storm. He says, peace, be still. And it was calm. Suddenly the storm came, but suddenly the storm ended. And I want you to understand something today. If the power of the Holy Spirit lives in your life, you can speak to storms in your life. But there's something that you have to do first, and it's stop panicking. You know, when, when you are panicking in your life, in other words, when you're responding immediately to a challenge that's faced in your own strength, it's kind of like going to the grocery store and shopping when you're starving. Anybody ever done that before? You go to the grocery store and you are starving. So what do you do? You go walking down the aisles, you go to the cookie aisle, and you grab a cookie. You grab 50 cookies and you start shoveling those. Is that what you need to be eating? No. You, you know, have you ever noticed when you're feeling that way, you don't go to the apple aisle? <laughs> I'm starving right now. I need a banana. No, you say, I'm starving right now. Where are the donuts at? You know, I mean, that's what we do. We, we panic and we start just grabbing stuff. And, and usually, and some of you will agree with me, when you panic, you will make some of the worst decisions of your life in the middle of that. Let me say that again. When you panic, you will make some of the worst decisions in your life right in the middle of that. You react, and you react wrong. And that's what the disciples did. They didn't react appropriately. So you need to stop panicking. Look at your second Blake. Second blank on your notes is that you need to stop running. You need to stop running. Some of us panic, and some of us, when storms come, we're going to take off. That's my running sound. I never knew that's what it was, but it is now. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Ah, you're gone. That's my other running sound. Listen, let me tell you how running from your challenges works. Jonah chapter 1 verse 3. Anybody ever heard of Jonah? Listen, let's talk about Jonah for a minute. But Jonah got up and he went in the opposite direction that God told him to go. Why? To get away from the Lord. He went down to the port of Joppa where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. He bought a ticket 
went on board. Why? Hoping to escape from the Lord by selling to Tarshish. You know, I think it's so funny that, that God tells Jonah to go to Nineveh. Now remember, Nineveh was a very, very evil city. You didn't want to go to Nineveh, and Nineveh is Gentiles. These are not Hebrew people, but God loved those people. And so he was telling Jonah, hey, go over there, and you need to preach. These people need to repent, or they're going to be destroyed. And Jonah's like, well, let them die, you know. I don't want to do that. I'm going to run from God, which is hilarious. How are you going to run from the creator of the universe? You know, like God's going, where'd Jonah go? I don't know where Jonah is. I can't find him. And so Jonah takes off running. How'd that work out for him? Didn't work out at all, did it? But you know what, guys? Some of y'all do the exact same thing. Storms come, lions roar, fear abounds. And what do you do? I'm going to run from my problem. But there's a problem with running from your problem. Because wherever you go... There you are. See, we run from God, but really we're not running from God. Really what we're doing is running from who? Yourself. We're running from ourselves. We think, is that crazy? I'm going to run away from myself. Really? You need therapy. You know, I mean, you can't run away from yourself. But we do that all the time. People have problems in their marriage, so what do they do? They take off running. And they carry their problem with them. You can't run from your lions, guys. you got to face them. And we know how that worked out for Jonah. And I'm just going to give you a little clue. If right now in your life you're running from your problems, if you're running away from them, there is a fish in your future. <laughs> right? Some of y'all will never go fishing again until you get this problem solved. You'll be like, I don't know. Catfish coming, you know. I mean, but when you run, and here's the point of the fish. God's going to get you turned around and get you headed. You might as well decide right now to do it his way because guess what? That's the only way that works. So stop running. All you're doing is wasting time. All you're doing is wasting time. Have have any of y'all ever been looking for something and realized that you had it with you the whole time? I got to tell a story, or somebody in here that told me this story this week. I will not name names, but it's really funny. They were telling me this week, they said, Pastor, I got to tell you what happened. I said, What happened? They said, Well, I, I could not find my cell phone. So I called my grandmother from my cell phone. <laughs> Say, Grandmother, I cannot find my cell phone. Darling, you're talking to me on your cell phone. And as silly as that sounds, That's what a lot of us do when we try to run from God. It doesn't work. So stop. Stop. Here's the third blank. Stop struggling. Stop struggling. You know, my favorite verse, my my life scripture is Job chapter 22. It's actually verses 21 through 30. But I'm just going to read you 21. (laughs) It says, Yield now and be at peace with him, God. Thereby, in this way, will good come to you. 
You know, when I first got saved, I was really trying to learn about God, and, and, and I was 16 years old, and I didn't really know much of anything about, even though I grew up in the church, I didn't really have much of a relationship with God. And, and I was studying the scripture because I wanted to know what God wanted from me. And this was the scripture that he took me to in my life. Yield now. You know what yield means? It means surrender. Surrender to God. Stop struggling with God. Stop fighting God. Guys, at 16 years old, the Lord showed me that. Do you know why the Lord showed me that? Why do you think God would tell me not to struggle? Well, let me clue you in. Because I like to struggle. I like to struggle. I mean, if you look at our society... Almost everything in our society teaches us to struggle, doesn't it? It says, hey, if things aren't working out, work harder. Isn't that what it says? It says, hey, when life gets, gets hard, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, which I still don't understand how that works. Come on, fellas. Said, Put your big boy pants on, right? That's what life tells us. That's what Americans, hey, we hear that all the time. We're self-made people. And, and so there's this whole culture that we've created that says we've got to work harder. Or we've got to do all these different things. And the truth is all we do is struggle more. And, and I want to tell you, I want to clue you in today. If you find yourself in a pit, stop digging. Stop digging. If you find yourself in a challenge, stop struggling. You know, when I was... 16 also, a lot happened when I was 16. When I was 16, um, I was junior in high school, and, and we, I wanted to be a lifeguard because the pay was so good. I'll let you all figure that out. But anyway, I want to be a lifeguard, you know. So, so I went and took the Red Cross lifeguard test. And for our final exam, they brought in college football players that we had to rescue in the swimming pool. I'm 16 years old, right? This is like a 250-pound lineman. The only bath he probably ever took was when he got in that pool. I mean, these are big, burly dudes, right? And they had one joy in their life. They wanted to kill us. Really. Their job was for us to not save them. This was our final exam. But they taught us something that to this day still serves me really well at 16. They said, when you swim out, and you try to save somebody, don't get too close to them when they're struggling because in their desire, in their panic, they're going to pull you down. They will drown you. They will climb on top of you to stay, try to stay safe. See, they don't realize you're there to rescue them. And if you would, they would just relax, you could pull them to shore. But they're going to drown you. They said, well, what do we do? They're drowning. We're supposed to save them. They said, you know what? Let them start drowning, and then when they pass out, then pull them to shore. They really said that. They also said you can go in and pop them in the face and knock them out, and I like that idea better because I thought I will pop you in the head. <laughs> Only lifeguard swimming around with a tire, tool tire, and you know, pow. They look like they needed to be hit. <laughs> but isn't that funny? It's the same for us. We fight God when he's trying to save us. We fight him. I got this. And we're drowning. And you know, sometimes it's when we reach our lowest point that we can't fight anymore 
that he pulls us out of it. But you know how long you fight is up to you. The smart person will just stop right off the bat. I'll never forget. I didn't didn't mention this first service, and I just remembered it. Here I am, 16 years old, sitting up on my, my lifeguard stand, which is basically like a deer stand, you know, and I'm looking for somebody. And, and I'll never forget, I'll never, this is great, this kid walks up to the edge of the pool and looks up at me. And I look down at him. And I know in my mind, this kid can't swim. He cannot swim. There is no swim in him. <laughs> and he looks up at me and I look down at him. And he just stepped off in the pool. Straight to the bottom. Boop, there he goes. So I blow the whistle and jump in the pool. And he just, he, was, he didn't just stand there. I mean, he was just sitting there. He never fought me, never did anything. I just grabbed him out of the pool, pulled him out. He was a hero, you know, like, hey, look at me. But he did it right. He didn't fight me. But he looked up to make sure I knew he was there. <laughs> You're going to save me, right? <laughs> what about you? See, you're fighting God, and he's the only person that can really help you. He's the only person that can really save you. And just like he told me, the first word he said to me as a Christian believer, the first thing he spoke to me out of his word was surrender. Because he knew that I'm not built that way. He knew I'm not built that way. Psalm 34, out of the New Living Translation, I'd like you to read the whole thing. And remember a few weeks ago, we were talking about King David. Remember King David? Here he goes. And and remember King David, he was anointed king, but he hadn't been crowned king yet. Saul's still in charge of everything. And so David's running for his life. Remember, we talked about this. And David's running for his life. And in the midst of running for his life, he goes to Gath, G-A-T-H. And Gath is the hometown of who? Goliath. That's where Goliath's from. You remember, Goliath is the giant that David killed. He was their homecoming king, okay? And so Goliath is their guy. And David killed him, right? And so David is in such bad shape. Why? He's panicking. He's panicking. And what happens when we panic? We make bad decisions. What else happens? We start running. And so David's running. He's running, 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 running. And he runs and he decides to go to Gath. This is crazy, and I want you to really understand this. This is like somebody from the University of Tennessee saying, Hey, can I come camp out in center of Arkansas Razorback Stadium? Tim, does that work? Sure. Yeah, until you eat them, right? I mean, until, you know, that's, that's not a good idea. I mean, and that's what these people are doing. He's going to the hometown of the guy that he killed that started this whole thing. That's how bad it's gotten for him. Bad decisions. David has to act crazy so they don't kill him. And then he ends up in a cave. We talked about caves a few weeks ago. But the purpose of this cave was for David to make a decision. Is he going to stop struggling? Is he going to stop fighting God? Is he going to stop running, stop panicking? And he's going to allow God to do the changes in his life that he needs to to be the person that God wants him to be. Listen to this, verse 4, Psalm 34, verse 4. I prayed, I sought the Lord, and he answered me, and he freed me from all my fears. And you know, on the surface, that doesn't look like a whole lot, does it? 
But here's what I understand what David was saying. And, and, I, and hopefully this will relate to some of you. As a matter of fact, I know it will because some of you are facing this right now. It's interesting that David says, I sought the Lord. And this tells you that he stopped trying to do it himself. Notice it didn't say, I ran really hard, I made stupid decisions, and look how it's worked out. What David finally said is, I've tried all this other stuff, and now I'm going to ask God how he wants me to do it. And he said, so now that I'm doing it God's way, he freed me from what? All my fears. So here's the practical thing for you today. Stop struggling. Stop fighting God and surrender to Him in whatever area of life that you're having struggles with. And here's what I want you to do. Here's what I did. I want to tell you a brief story about something that I did just a couple of weeks ago. Okay? Because it's really important. I don't want to just talk to you about things that you can't relate to. I want to talk to you about something that's right here, right now, that I did so that I know. You know, a few weeks ago, Taylor's off at school. She's got a car. Miles has his car. Trish has her car. I didn't have a vehicle. I needed a car. And my first inclination for those of you that have been around me is I'm going to go figure it out. I'm going to make it happen, Captain. I'm, I mean, that's what I do. I'm going to go make it happen. And I knew in my heart that if I went off and did that, it was not going to be good. How many of you have ever tried to fix something yourself and it didn't turn out like you wanted it to? Thank you for your honesty. Some of you didn't raise your hand. You're lying. <laughs> but I knew that this was that kind of decision. That I was going to have to jump into something that was probably not going to be a bad idea, but I had to do something. So I decided to do something different this time. Instead of, I decided instead of doing it my way, which by the way, I'm 48 years old. I should have learned this a long time ago. I said, I'm going to seek God and see what God wants to do about my vehicle situation. So you know what I did? I took time out. I set aside some time to fast and pray. Now, how many of you pray before you eat dinner? I wish more of y'all would. I think it would be good for you. But anyway, you know, I, you know, I grew up, my brother and I grew up, and it was like, God is great, God is good, let us thank him for this food, amen. But we like set world records of saying that so fast, right? I'm not talking about that kind of praying. I'm talking about what David said. I sought the Lord. I looked for the Lord. I looked for him. And, I, and how many, if you're a hunter today, what I'm talking about here is when you go deer hunting, you're looking for the deer. You're seeking that deer. You're hunting. And so what David is saying here is, I'm hunting the Lord. I'm trying to find him. And so what I did is I sat down and I had a list. I wrote a list of things that I, that I needed to hear from God from. And some of them were about you. As a group, some of you are like, oh, Lord. <laughs> no, I mean, it was about as a group, about our church. And, but it was also about this vehicle situation. I said, God, I need to hear from you. I don't want to do what I always do. I want to do what you want me to do. I don't want to be the Chris to try to figure this out. God, I want to do what David did. I want to seek you and see you do something. That was Monday. Tuesday, I get a phone call. Hey, Pastor, where are you at? I'm home. Hey, Pastor, I'll be there in a few minutes. <laughs> and so, so obviously, two vehicles pull up in the driveway, and I'm standing out front. Kennedy and I are standing out in front of the house, and, and one of our, our members of our church pulled up and, and got out of this vehicle and walked over and handed me the title to this vehicle. Handed me the title. 
And y'all know me, I'm really full of faith. I'm a spiritual giant, right? (laughs) So here's what I said to them. Who told you I needed a car? (laughs) Because obviously somebody had to tell I mean, where's my faith? I understand what Jesus is saying here. Where's your faith? Where's your faith? And with tears in his eyes, he said, Pastor, nobody said anything to me. The Holy Spirit told me that you needed this vehicle. And we both cried. I was humbled. But I learned something. God wants to bless you, but he wants to bless you in such a way that's not going to cause pain in your life. But you have to stop trying to do it your way and fight God all the time and sit back and let him be God. And you know why so many times in our lives we don't see God move? Is we never give him a chance. Pastor, I I don't understand. I, I don't see God do anything. My finances are really in bad shape. Are you tithing? Well, no. Some of y'all are like, that hurt. I'm not trying to hurt you. I'm just telling you the truth. If we don't do get things God's way, God's not going to move. And it's not because he doesn't love us. It's because he loves us. And he's not going to go against his word. And if you're trying to figure things out on your own, it's not going to work. You need to do things his way. But if you do things his way, you will see him move. And you'll get to be a part of a miracle. You know the favorite part to me of what God did when he did that vehicle exchange was my 16-year-old daughter got to watch it. And I got to look at her and say, Sweetheart, when you're faithful, this is what God does. And she'll never forget that. And I'm hoping some of you will never forget that. Stop fighting God. Let Him be God. Amen? So here's what you need to do. You need to take some time to set aside some time to seek God. Now some of you, I promise you, some of you I said that and your first thought was I'm too busy. I'm so busy, Pastor, I don't have time to talk to God. Oh, you're too busy to talk to the creator of the universe about helping your problem. You're going to figure it out your own self. Hey, that kind of thinking got you where you are. You don't, I'm going to say this, I'm going to mess this up. You don't not have time to talk to him. (laughs) Is that right? (laughs) You don't not have time to talk to God. You need to make some time. And guess what? Who cares who wins a Monday night football game? Talk to God. Who cares, really? You need to spend time with God, and you need to write your list out, and you need to say, God, I need you to move in my life. God, I need you to help with my marriage. Lord, I need you to help with my finances. Lord, I need you to help with whatever, your, your physical, maybe there's something going on in your, in your body, and you've got a bad doctor's report. God, what do I do? You need to spend time seeking the creator of the universe who loves you so much that he sent his son to die for you, that if you'll just take time to listen, he'll help you. But you have to make time. And I'm going to say this and I'm going to close. It's not that God's not talking to you. It's that you're not listening. You're not listening. What do we say? Be still 
Be still and know that I'm God. It did not say run around like a nut and know that I'm God. It didn't say that, did it? Be still and know that I'm God. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this time that we can come together. And I know, Lord, that you did this message for some people in here. That you love them. And you know that they're struggling and you don't want them to struggle. You died so that they could be free. And so, Lord, I pray right now as I'm looking across this auditorium, I know there are people that this is for. So if you're here today and this message is for you, you're struggling, you're fighting God, you're panicking, you're running, whatever it is that's going on in your life, this is, you know this is for you. And you need to draw on a line in the sand. You need to make a quality decision today that you're going to seek God's face. That you're going to seek God. And you're going to ask Him for His help. You're going to ask Him to reach into your life and speak to you. You're going to ask Him to do that. So if you're here today and God's talking to you, just slip your hand up and say, Pastor, this is for me. I'm one of those people. Amen. There's hands all over the auditorium, y'all. People are sticking their hands up. Amen. You can put your hands down. This is the most important part of what we do on Sunday. See, I don't want to just come up with good messages for you guys. I want you to have an encounter with the creator of the universe who loves you and knows your name and has a good plan for your life. And he wants to speak hope into your heart. And he wants to heal you and help you. You've got to come to him. So I'm going to ask you to do something very brave today. If you slip your hand up, I want you to come down to the altar and I want to pray over you. Because I believe just like in my life where where God had to get me to the place where I was willing to seek him, he's got some of you. And if, if you raise your hand, come on down to the front and I'm going to pray over you. And we're going to pray as a church that God's going to speak to you. If you slip your hand up, come on up front. Just be brave. And there's no condemnation here. Amen. God is good. Amen. I can have some of my leaders come up behind these folks. We're going to lay hands on them. And we're just going to pray for them. If you're a leader in this church, come on down. in the water and there was debris in the water and he said we were just holding on to this debris and there were sharks in the water. That's a picture of what we're talking about. So it's time to stop that. It's time to stop that. So let's go before the Lord. Father, we just thank you right now in Jesus' name for all these people that are here, Lord, that are just holding on. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that you would reach out and touch them, that they would no longer struggle, Father, but they would surrender to you. That, Lord, they would come close to you. That they would surrender to you, Father, and let you do things your way in their lives. 
Father, I thank you for that, that you've got a plan for each one of us here. That, Father, you said you have a good plan. It's for a future and a hope, but we have to do it your way. It's about us surrendering our lives to you. So, Father, right now, in Jesus' name, for every person that's here, Lord, I just pray that you would speak to them and that they would would stop struggling with you and they would agree with you, Father. Lord, you said... If we would draw close to you, you would draw close to us. And so, Father, as we take this step of faith and we come out and come down and ask for your help, Lord, as we step out, Lord, that you would honor your word and you would draw close to us, Jesus. And that you would right now speak peace to the lives of all these folks that are up here. That, Father, right now you would meet them at the point of their need. That, Father, you would speak to them. And, Lord, whatever concerns them, Lord, that it would concern you, Father, and that you would take the burden. That you would take the burden. Hallelujah. I want you all to look at me real quick. If you're up here, I want you to look at me real quick. That scripture that I read out of Psalms where it was talking about the battle that was going on, there was a battle going on, and God said he was going to break the spear and he was going to burn the shield. And he was going to snap the bow in half, that battle that's going on. And then in the midst of that, he said, be still and know that I'm God. Isn't that interesting? You know what that means? Is he's going to fight the battle. He's going to fight the battle. He's going to break the spear. He's going to, break the sh- he's going to burn the shield. He's taking care of all that. Your job is to let him fight the battle and stop trying to fight it yourself. I think it's admirable that maybe you're trying to fight it, but you need to understand that he's God, and you let him fight the battle for you. Amen? Mark, you're not big enough. You're a big old boy, but you're not big enough, man. You let him fight the battle. And then when you do that, he says, be still and know that I am God. And then you can watch him fight your battle for you, and then you get victory. Isn't that awesome? Lord, I thank you for every person that's here today. Lord, I thank you that you've got a plan for every life that's here today, Lord. And I just thank you, Lord, that you're going to fight the battle on our behalf, but we have to obey you. And so, Father, as an act of faith, as each of these people is standing up here, Lord, this morning, as they surrender themselves to you, as they yield to you, Father, I pray that you would fight their battle for them. Tim, be still and know that he's God. Let him be God. Let him be God. Father, I thank you for your anointing that's on each of these people. And Lord, as an act of faith, as they've come down, Father, I pray right now that everything that concerns you, Lord, you would meet the need in their life. And right now you're setting people free, and I believe that. I thank you for that, Jesus. I thank you for that. And Father, I pray victory, and I claim victory in each of their lives. Lord, that you would give them peace from this day forward that you would give them a supernatural peace and joy for the situations that they're facing and that they would know you in a way that they've never known you before. And I thank you for that. In Jesus' holy and blessed name, and all of God's people said, amen. Let's give God praise this morning, y'all. Amen. Amen.